The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. We are coming to you live here from Two Guys Cigar Shop in Salem, New Hampshire, and uh, we are going to start with the quirky tip of the day. What do you think about it? I think that sounds like a good idea. All right. Do you want to do it? it too. Oh, good. I love when the pig's happy. Do you want to do it? So what I thought might be a a quirky little tip is now that it's getting warmer in in the midst of summer here, the dogs are getting in the water. If your dog lives near a lake or swimming pool or the beach, make sure that when they're done swimming, that you make sure their necks are dry if they're wearing a collar that may be trapping that moisture in behind their, uh, under the fur, because that can get all nasty and it can turn into a hot spot. And um, so just get those collars off when you dry them off or don't let them just dry naturally. Yeah. Get in there and take the collar off and dry with a towel because or even it a can hair really dryer. turn into a problem for dogs. I've yeah. seen it many times. Yeah, even a flat collar. So that's our quirky tip. Now that it's hot, look out for the hot spots. Today we are going to do the sit podcast. Seems a little crazy doing a whole podcast on sit, but this is becoming a big topic must around really here. Running out of ideas. <laughs> We're just going to well, do a how did this sit, sit podcast originate? As far as you're concerned, well, the reason I actually thought this might be a good idea is because I have some clients yeah. that can't get their dogs to sit but for more than 30 seconds. Multiple people recently, I feel like even on evals have have like blatantly said that exact thing. Yeah, the like, dogs won't sit. Yeah. And the, the the irony I think with that is it tends to be the first thing anybody teaches their dog yeah. is sit with treats or dinner in the kitchen. So there's a couple of reasons in my mind why dogs can't hold a sit. And uh, we can get into them in the podcast. But what did you want to share? Well, I guess about that's it? the important thing about that is not the dog might sit, but it will not hold a sit. Whether you say stay or not, like the dog is just all over the place, totally scattered brain. I feel like, you know, when you're growing up and your parents would be like, just sit still. Like, that's the type of thing that dogs can't carry over right now. And I would say at least two or three times in June, we're just in the beginning of July here, Scott would come home and literally say that these strangers that he has never met before told him that they haven't seen the dog sit for that long ever, if not in many, many years. So there's something to unpack here. And this is um, one of the ways that we've kind of tweeted apart anxiety, especially in the past year or two. It's another big exercise that I go for. Yeah. I mean, it's a relationship that uh, the people have with their dogs that are causing it. There's two, first of all, I I was thinking on the way here, there's kind of two reasons why if you've you've taught the dog to sit, uh, there's a couple of reasons why, two general reasons why they don't stay for any length of time. And one could be purely an obedience reason where you're inadvertently rewarding a half sit where the dog sits, you say sit, and as the dog is actually starting to sit, you're already reaching for a treat. And now the dog sees the treat, doesn't complete the exercise, and you feed it anyway because you're just not paying attention to what's going on. So there's a lot of body language issues and there's a lot of poor or, you know, just not correct obedience training and methods that are going on. And the way to, for me to tell the difference is if the dog is looking at you and trying to do the right thing and not doing what you want them to do, it's because you're not communicating effectively with the dog. You have the dog's attention 
and yet they're not doing what you want, that's on you. You know, that's the obedience yeah. side of this. And the follow through of that. And it doesn't mean that you have to slap like a pinch collar or a choke ch- collar on the dog and like hang them to sit at this point. But if you're going to have them sit. No, uh, not at all. Yeah, no, not <laughs> not even in the slightest bit. If you're going to have them sit and they get up, all you have to do, Scott says this probably 20 times a week, you're just going to grab the leash close to the clasp with your right hand, assuming the dog's on your left side, and then put the dog back down into a sit by using your left hand on their butt. You're kind of rocking. Scott always says like you're ergonomically getting the dog back to a sit position. Then you're just reinforcing that sit. If they get up, back to a sit. If they get up, back to a sit. It's a little bit like Chinese water torture that you may have to do it three or four times, but it's getting the dog to get into this headspace that we're talking about. And as far as anxiety goes, I always say that my three biggest things for anxiety, if you have a dog with anxiety, is crating them putting them on a bed and then stepping on a leash. That's the stepping on the leash exercise that we do in how to calm your canine. And it's kind of like getting this implied down with stepping on a leash, whatever else. But I would say in the past year or two, the exercise of sit has become my fourth way of evaluating things. And it's funny because we can be at a lesson and we can be holding the leash and the dog can be sitting next to us. And then all of a sudden we hand the leash back to the owner and the dog can't sit for literally more than a nanosecond when the owner has the leash. So Um, I want to get back to the obedience side first though, because another reason that a lot of of dogs won't hold the sit from the obedience perspective is that in their initial training, uh, whether it was puppy training or clicker training, the dog associates the reward with the end of the behavior. Yeah. So they tell the dog to sit, they give the dog a treat, and the dog gets up because that's the way they were trained. And um, I t- both Jess and I, and I try to teach my clients to use that food uh, as a bridge more than the end of the behavior. So I can tell the dog, sit, I can give him a treat, I can walk away, I can come back, give him a treat. They don't associate the treat with... It's It's all over and done. It's just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a great job. So that's one of the other reasons why a lot of dogs, as soon as they praise the dog or reward the dog, the dog assumes it's all over with. Yeah. And if we're going to talk about that perspective, when we do our stays with our dogs and our clients too, and we teach the client dogs to do this, whether the owners do it or not, it's on them, but it's kind of like an automatic stay, I call it. So sit, dog is going to sit now until they're released with free or break or whatever else. We don't use okay because it's pretty colloquial. Um... And that's just how our stays are enforced. Now, people that do use a stay command, that's fine. But what we would urge you to do is be able to say, sit, stay, wait, or something, and then be confident about walking away or something else. These people that have sit, stay, 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 no stay, like you're not getting a lot of reliability out of that. So also you can look back and see how you're getting your stay. But this isn't even about getting away from the dog. This is about a dog merely being on a leash and being able to sit next to you and be comfortable in his own skin, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And uh, again, I'm still thinking about the obedient side rather than the anxiety side. The, the people that I work with that are involved in um, competitive obedience, even if it's just they want to get their AKC good citizen, and that is in the forefront of their mind that they want to do this, they're learning from the beginning to teach the dog to sit and stay, yeah. to be able to walk away from that dog. And um, so they, they typically don't have the same type of issues that we're talking about because it's part of the foundation of that dog. And another thing to consider when you get into this uh, dogs that are having trouble sitting I had a, a friend of mine talk about this uh, very topic one time, and he was saying sometimes it can take two years to teach a dog to sit. And I thought, wow, that's, that's kind of ridiculous. That's a long time. But he's talking about sit with reliability on any surface, in any location, at night, in, the, in the, a snowstorm, no matter what is going on. You tell the dog sit, the dog sits its butt to the ground and doesn't move until you release the dog. And that's 
you know, a lot of generalization. So if you have a dog that you taught to sit in the house that is very reliable in the kitchen, it doesn't mean they're going to be able to sit for any length of time in the driveway if you haven't worked on that. Yeah. You know? And even getting back to the canine good citizen exercise. So you have a dog that maybe has learned this since a puppy or something else. And this very strict exercise of like, okay, I'm going to walk away from you and you're going to be there. That dog may not even be able to sit while it's next to the owner, while the leash is attached to. Like, this is becoming more of an issue, and we see it more and more and more and more, and it's a telling issue. So it's important to kind of, like, understand that and have this be a part of stuff. And Scott talking about generalizing sits, that's a huge thing. Like, as soon as it rains, we're like, all right, let's get the dogs out. We're going to do stuff in puddles. We do downs with light, you know, shower from the hose on the dogs. Like, that is generalizing. That is proofing. And it doesn't have to be to that extent. But if you have that type of reliability then your dog being able to hold a sit for 30 seconds in any environment next to you shouldn't be that difficult. The basics should be really a non-issue. And uh, I've even given a few clients of mine the homework of see if you can get a one-minute sit. Work on this all week, come back, and see if you can get the dog to sit for a minute. And the dogs that have some obvious anxiety issues just cannot do it with that handler. They can do it away from that handler with me or maybe with another person, but they just can't do it with that handle. And that you know? doesn't mean that they can't make progress. One oh, thing no, that I say, not. if it we're going to... It's just showing a pro- an issue. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, um, it's unveiling an issue that may help you and may bleed over into other aspects of the dog's life. One thing I always say is if you are going to work that exercise, you don't have to just be out in the open. Like, especially if your dog's going to like be kind of crooked in the sit or whatever, go like next to your stove in the kitchen. That's a great place where you have something for the dog to be sitting, you to be on one side, the stove to be on another side. And you don't have to be staring at the dog or feeding the dog the whole time. You could be on your phone checking text messages. If that dog gets up, refix it, refix it, refix it. Another huge thing. And if you've been watching us for a bit, you probably know this, but just to bring that up, if you are going to work this exercise and you are thinking like, Oh, maybe my dog does need this. And my dog is a little bit ADHD when sitting on a leash next to me. Do not have your dog break a sit. So let's say now you're against the stove, dog sit, dog sits, you're on your phone, dog gets up, dog sit, and then reward that, like refixing the failure, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? That's a huge thing that if the dog's going to get a cookie every single time, even if it broke the behavior and then reassume the behavior, there's no reason to have the reliability in the first place. So be really conscious that you can reward the first one. You can reward during if the dog's being successful and you can reward at the end, but don't reward a mistake because that can make it a little bit gray in the dog's mind and the more black and white training is the better. Yeah. And if you're just rewarding effort all the time and some trainers do that, I just don't understand how the dog can understand if you're using food as the reward, when they've done it right and when they're not doing it right, but they seem to have shown some effort of some kind. So I would, at the very least, if they don't do something right, I would just not reward it. You don't need to correct it, but don't reward it. And, um, and help try. them. Give yeah. the dog feedback. If the dog is there and getting up and getting up and getting up, like I said, if you just fix it, fix it, fix it, if you can get five to 10 seconds of like, fine, okay, I'm going to be here, I'm going to do it, release the dog out of it. You don't have to get the full minute the first time you try it. But a 30 second to a one minute sit on a leash next to you without literally Pez dispensing food to the dog is a very realistic thing. And more and more and more and more and more as time goes on, it seems like fewer and fewer owners can do this. And that's kind of where the concern lies. Well, here's another, another thing. I, I saw a dog that had aggression issues that had already bit a few people. So the dog, he, got, he brings the dog out of the house. I didn't want to get into the dog's home to do this eval because there's more chance of an issue. I said, bring the dog outside in the front yard. So the dog comes out, sees me, launches to the end of the leash, uh, barking, growling, lunging. I said, put your dog in a sit. And he puts the dog in the sit, dog gets up. Puts the dog in the sit, dog gets up. 
he's trying to correct the dog. I think he even had a pinch collar on the dog. No, he didn't. He didn't. He had a, a Martingale style collar. And, um, and I gave him plenty of space. I, you know, was probably 25 yards away. And I said, just put him back into a sit and just try and reestablish this sit. And when he, the one thing that got that dog to sit was when he said sit, and then he started just scratching the dog behind the ear, just touching, constant touching. Then kind the dog of pacifying the, the dog, yeah. If he, took, if he didn't touch the dog, the dog would get up and start getting crazy again. But his contact with the dog was the only way the dog would sit. And uh, it was interesting because that I see that a lot of times with um, this separation anxiety. If you're touching the dog, the dog is able to continue on with a behavior. But when you make that disconnect physically, then they just get crazy and start. They, it's not that they'll work the owner for attention. They'll just start chewing they on grass. They can't do it anymore. Yeah, they they'll can't. Get, they'll yeah. just get totally, dis- it seems like they're no they're longer being soothed. They're not distracted. They're just acting like they're distracted by the environment. But really, they're just like, this uh, anxiety is just being expressed into the grass and into this and into that and all these different behaviors. Maybe they start digging. They're just doing stupid stuff, eating rocks, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? So it may, you may be like, oh, this sounds crazy. It's not a thing. Try it with your dogs. Try it with your client's dogs. See what happens because this is becoming more and more and more of a thing. And we've kind of seen it happening. But literally last June when Scott, like it was the third time he called and said, oh my God, the owners said they've never seen the dog sit for so long in their whole lives. It, it, it's obviously becoming a bigger and bigger issue. We're going to oh. go to break super quick. And when we get back, we're going to unpack the sit a little bit more. Does your dog lack self-control? Are you looking for some answers? Would you like your dog to be calmer? Does your dog lack confidence? Canine MindShift. Enroll in a free course today. Simply go to caninemindshift.com. That's caninemindshift.com. Okay, we're back. So one thing um, Scott talked about, if the owners are conscious of the dog once they tell the dog to sit, and that's kind of just like a first and foremount paramount part of dog training. So you should be conscious of the dog, what's on the other end of the leash. But one tie-in that I thought of, I think it was John Butler that said this. Obviously, we're meditators. We follow this guy on YouTube. He was actually just on the WGN News the other day. Where is he from? He's from England. Yeah, he's an England guy. He's uh, he was a farmer. He's big into meditation. He's and like he's, eighty-five years old. He's huge on YouTube. Like he's friggin' blowing up, and he's so sweet, and he has this great voice, and he calls and he, everyone dearie. He doesn't know how to turn on the computer. <laughs> no, he does. Other, other people have. He's not his trying stuff. to monetize this in any way, shape, or form. But he's literally so sweet and amazing, and he's clearly enlightened in some way. But I think it was him that said, you know, in order to get your. Um, mind calm, you have to get your body calm. Was that a John Butler thing? Something like that. Yeah. So, and that's a good way to do it because people that have an issue with like meditating and everything else and, you know, and and Scott and I meditate every day. It's not like this big awakening every single day. Sometimes it's better than other times, but at least we're putting the time aside and we're working on our self-development and everything else. But it's such an important point and it relates to the dog so well that if you can't even stabilize your body to just sit somewhere for two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it's going to be, this is for humans now, not so much for dogs then how are you going to be able to quiet your mind down and get your mind to think of that? So think of that as in relation to the dogs too. If your dog's body is going
going every which direction with darting everywhere and pacing and everything else and can't even sit next to you on a leash, then its mind probably isn't in a super stable state of mind either. Yeah, and I would say also from the obedient side of uh, getting any kind of duration out of a behavior, whether it's a sit, a down, go get on your dog bed, don't get off. Uh, it's really important that you teach the dog right from the beginning how long you want them to sit. And that is sit until I release you from it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I say, tell your dog to sit. They'll, they'll tell the dog sit. The dog will sit. And then they just start talking to me. And then a few moments later, the dog just gets up. And it's not even addressed at all because they've never even thought about the reality of to have a, a good stay, it's stay for how long. So once the dog understands that they have to stay until they're released, at least they can hang in there now knowing they're going to release me here in X amount of time. And um, it really, it just becomes so much clearer for the dog and so much easier for the dog to execute the behavior. When it knows what its criteria is. Yeah, I mean, then you start adding distractions and all that stuff. But in the beginning, like, let them know, you're going to sit until I release you. And once they know what the rules are, then they're able to hang in. Some dogs don't care about rewards. They don't care about treats. But after they're released, that's what they're waiting for. Because then they can have the big love fest with their owner and get the belly rubs, whatever it is. And so they're hanging in there for the for the other side of it, for after I'm released. That's when the party's going to happen. Yeah, and that know? reminds me of like when the dogs are young and we go to Home Depot and stuff to socialize. You know, Home Depot and Lowe's and a lot of places like that, they're very dog friendly and that's great. And a lot of times the employees have like treats in their apron and everything else. And I nine times out of 10, I'd say, you know, the people will say, oh, like, can I give the dog a cookie? Yeah, you can give the dog a cookie. And then they walk up, sit, sit, sit. And I just say, just give my dog food. Like, I don't want my dog that's trying to learn the rules now to get a cookie from you, get a bunch of love. The sit is more confusing now. Like I just say, like feed the dog. It's fine. Because if that's going to be a situation that I'm going to put my dog in, I would say sit, feed the dog, expect a automatic stay and then release the dog out of it. They're not going to do that. But if people want to get involved and do these kind of things, just say, just feed my dog for being a good dog. You don't have to tell them to do anything. Yeah. And I tell the other side of the coin is if you, if you know you have this issue with your dog, or if you just have a young dog that's still really green and, and learning Uh, what these behaviors are. If you want your dog to sit when you come to a stop and you're going to greet someone on the sidewalk, I tell people, tell your dog to sit, drop the loop of that leash down so you can step on it with your left foot and immediately tell your dog free, release them from the sit because you you don't know how long you're going to be there talking to this person. They may want to chalk your ear off for 25 minutes. It's not realistic to have your dog sitting there like that. No, it's not fair. Let your dog do what he wants. But if you step on the leash, it just keeps them from jumping or maybe darting towards a squirrel that may be off out of your line of vision, but they see it and want to shoot over to the left or right. Yeah. That kind of thing. And I would say that most people say, oh, my dog sits. He sits great. And it's always before dinner. Like there's always this setup of... Very contextual. Yes. The dog is going to sit. It's going to hold a sit stay for as long as possible because it knows its dinner is coming. Just like Scott said, some of the dogs hang in there just because they're excited about the release and the fun afterward. If they want to eat, they're like, better get through this quickly. If I fail, then it's just going to take longer to eat. That's what they call a response cost in training. So the dog's like, okay, the quicker I'm perfect, the quicker I can eat. That's great. And that's awesome that your dog has that behavior. That isn't translating out into the world. Like a dog that does that and then somebody says, oh, my dog's reactive on the street. Well, how is your dog reactive on the street if it can hold a sit while a dog or a person passes by across the way? Oh, well, it won't sit there. So if you have that behavior, that's totally awesome. But you want to take that now on the road and make sure that the dog understands that that exact behavior is expected in a lot of different areas of life. Yeah. If you can get a a decent, reliable sit, 
I mean, that covers, that takes care of half the behavioral problems that people deal with that they call me with. I tell, I've often jokingly said that if you have a good down and a down from a distance, you don't need anything else. You can let your dog loose at the park with no recall. Yeah. But when they get a little far out, just say, down. And then you can walk over there, put your leash on them, and, and take them home with you or whatever. And there's so many different things that if you had just a good down, a down stay with reliability, it would just be a great way to resolve so many different issues in your life with your dog. You and know? the thing about it is if you have a dog with behavioral issues, if you have anything with reliability, I'd say outside of the food and the sit-stay context, I'm not meaning to burst your bubble, but that doesn't seem to go on the road and help the dog much in other contexts of life. If you have a super reliable recall, if you have a super reliable, you know, criteria of the dog not getting out of the crate, if you have a super reliable criteria of, you know, doors and doorways, if you have super reliable loose leash walking, you don't even need all of these things. But if you have super reliable something, you're going to see spillover into the rest of the dog's life and the dog's behavior everywhere else. So if you don't have reliability anywhere, why not just try to start with a sit? And I'm telling you guys, this is not just a weird Scott and Jess thing. We have seen it time and time again that these dogs that are a little bit overexcited or whatever we like to call them on the podcast, they cannot sit for the fricking life of them. And then with, you know, a quick training session or whatever, they're sitting, they're decompressed, they're relaxed, they're fine. They're not being held there captive. Like they're able to sit. That is important that a dog is able to be comfortable in its own skin and be able to hold a position. That's a nice quality to have in some companion that you want to live with and have in your house with you. You know, a lot of times that will actually ward off. Um, potential anxiety yes. from developing 100%. because a lot of times, you know, your the dog needs to go out to go potty. You take them out of the crate. They're just a young dog. They have no emotional issues. They're just crazy puppies. And uh, you go open the door and they're just pulling it and people are just thinking, well, they got to pee. They got to go. They got to get out there and pee. <laughs> and they let the dog drag them right out down the street yeah. and right over to the tree and they pee. The dog doesn't have to pee that bad. The dog has been in the crate. It didn't pee in the crate. That's a place, you know, you want, when you're going to be working on your sit, sit before that door opens. Sit while the door is opening until you say, if you know you can't get out the door because the dog doesn't have good enough healing, then you can say free, release the dog after you've gone through that process. Yes. I've, you sit, I've opened the door, the dog's holding the sit. Then you can manage the dog and say free or, re, or whatever your f- release word is and just have them close to you on a tight leash and just go out that way because they don't know enough to do that yet. But if that is your cornerstone of reliability, if you're like listening to this or watching this and thinking, holy crap, I don't know what I would consider reliable in my dog, focus on the sit and see how it translates to all other areas of your dog's life. Because the more stable that the dog is in its body, the more stable that the dog will be in its mind. And if you haven't listened to our friend John Butler, you could check out a quick YouTube video for your own sake too, because he's our boy. Very soothing voice. We'll put <laughs> yes. you right to sleep. Yes. You know, and the other thing about the sit, I mean, if you have company, imagine this, you have a dog that's crazy and jumping when company comes. I mean, that's the ultimate sit-stay there. If you yeah. have a dog that can sit when people come into the house... I mean, that's going to take care of the jumping right there. Yeah, you know? we would use the bed normally for that. But still, it's, no, it's, it's important to... it's a huge to, distraction. People yes. come, the dog's Even a dog that can run up to someone and sit rather than run up to someone and put their front paws on someone. The sit is endless. The possibilities of sit are endless. And it's a very important behavior. And that goes back to my old friend, Fred Hassan, with Sit Means Sit Dog training from... 25 years ago, we started that name. I thought, oh, what a great name. Yeah. Sit means sit. And now he's rocking and, and a rolling. Um, and there's something to be said in that little phrase, sit means sit. Yep. No matter so, how you teach it. No, this isn't a big plug for the sit means sit <laughs> franchise. 
It's just we're I, not endorsing I, all I of them. I always thought it was a good name, <laughs> you know, and it is a good name because it, it describes exactly what dog obedience is. He's come a long way. Yeah, you were one of you. Sitting. Scott was talking about being one of the first franchises way back in the day. We've been around I, in dogs way too long. I can't take direction or have any. Yeah. I can't have any boss of any mm-hmm. kind above me. You can I barely just, have a wife. Yeah, what do you think of his new snap shirt? We're so excited. He got a big snap shirt rather than the. This is my Western wear. <laughs> No, Carhartt. it's not your Western wear. But it just it has ma- snaps instead of buttons. We're magic, so excited. We're magic, going Magic Mike shirt. Oh, we're one. not quite there on the podcast. We're going uh, north in Maine to the lakes. We're going to go to uh, Friends on the Lake and have lobsters. And Scott's going to just have a snap shirt just and to poof, right in the lake. Hopefully, we'll be going to Mount Washington to climb Mount Washington. Yeah, before, before you podcast. see us next time. But we just got to get that weather figured out because we're not, we're not cool enough to do that in the rain. We need some nice weather. All right, guys. Next week, we're going to do potty training. All the 101 to the advanced, everything else, we're going to get everybody potty trained, whether it's a puppy, a small dog, or an adult dog. In the meantime, keep it quirky. Thanks so much for tuning in. And if you need us, studio at thequirkydog.com. And teach your dog to sit. (laughs) Keep it quirky. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.